0: Man, the Lord is good. Uh, Hey, Merry Christmas to you. And uh, I want to welcome you. So glad that you have made time to worship Jesus with us. And come on, we're going to grow together in our faith today. I just hope that uh, already the Lord's done something in your heart, done something in your life, brought fresh hope or faith for your future. Man, that's what Christmas is all about. And regardless of what this week holds for you, hope that you'll keep Christ at the center of it all. So. Come on, I I wanna welcome you, and I wanna welcome those of you who are joining us online. Come on, while I'm welcoming them, find someone to your left or your right. Make eye contact with them and just tell them, come on, I'm glad that you're here in the house of God. Tell them you're looking good today. Maybe turn to the person on the other side of you who was your second choice. Tell them Merry Christmas. Glad that you're here as well. Welcome those of you joining us online. So thankful that you've made time to worship the Lord, to celebrate Christmas with us today. And come on, we're going to grow in our faith, get into God's Word today. I'm going to bring a message that I've titled something a little bit unique, but hopefully it'll stick with you. And I think you'll see why I'm titling it this at the end of the message, looking back to everything that God's going to extract from the Word and hopefully unpack and reveal to us or remind us of today. And you hear this this statement often this time of year that Jesus is the reason for the season. Anyone ever heard that? Come on, in fact, just repeat it after me. Jesus is the reason for the season. So I, I, I want to title the message today His Reason for the Season, because here's the thing is, what that statement implies and, and states is absolutely unequivocally true. Jesus is the reason for the season. He's the reason for the services. He's the reason for the songs. He's the reason for the trees. He's the reason for the, the food and too much of it. He's the reason for the family gatherings, the office parties. Jesus is the reason for the season. Somebody ought to say Amen. But I got to thinking about this. And by the way, keep Christ at the center of your Christmas. In, in the midst of all of the, the trappings, and then there's good things, I mean, all the coming and the going and the buying and the giving and the receiving and the eating and all the things that you're doing, don't forget to keep Christ in the center of it all. He really is the reason for the season. But I, I got to thinking, you know, that's, that's our perspective, that Jesus is the reason for everything that we call Christmas. But what's his reason for the season, the event? This is more than a holiday. Christmas actually happened. What's his reason for this season? And I believe that what you'll see today in God's word is that there are some very specific, very clear reasonings that the word of God shows us for why Christmas had to happen. So let's dig into God's word today, and let's trust him to speak to our hearts. If 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 I didn't tell you already, turn to Matthew chapter 1, turn or click there, and we'll get into a lot of God's word today, but first I just want to read some of one of the gospels accounting of the birth of Jesus, how this came about before we dig into why it had to happen. Matthew 1 verse 18 says this, this is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly. So he decided to break the engagement quietly. Can you imagine the conflict that Joseph was experiencing And as he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And all this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Behold, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Aren't you glad that he's God with you? On the mountains and in the valleys, he's God with you? That that he's all fit to come and and, and be with you through everything that you're going to go through in life? So we hear this phrase, Jesus is the reason for the season. What's his reason for the season? And the first one that I want to draw from God's word is found in Luke chapter 19. And here's what it says very clearly For the Son of Man has come. And that's what Christmas is all about celebrating the arrival, the sending, the birth of the Messiah, the Savior. The one who would later go to the cross and shed his blood and give his life to pay the price for our sin and our pride and our rebellion and make a way that we could never make on our own strength, that we could never pay for ourselves, that we could come back to relationship with the Father. That's what Christmas is all about. It's worth saying the manger happened with the cross in mind. And he says, I have come. Christmas is happening, Christmas is here because I've come to seek after and save the lost. Christmas is the initiation of the plan of salvation. And can you imagine from the start of time and the fall of man, how heaven was was waiting with bated breath for for the moment in time where the Father who was the only one who knew when it would be the right time to send Jesus, all the angels saying, Father, is it the time, is it the time for us to send the Son, to send the Savior, to rescue our brothers and sisters back to us, a relationship with us that transcends religion? Christmas was the moment that the Father said, now is the time to go and to rescue and redeem and to renew and to forgive and to restore and to make whole all those that we have created that have been caught up in this mess and this trap called sin. And don't blame Adam and Eve because you and I would have blown it for us if they hadn't. Romans 3.23 underlines that truth that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Look at your neighbor and tell him that includes you. A few of you enjoyed that too much, I believe. I think you need to repent. (laughs) All have fallen short of the glory of God. And a few chapters later, that's Romans 3. Romans 6 says this, that the wages of that sin is death. But the free gift, somebody say free free gift. Of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. The wage of sin is death. A wage is something that is earned and thus deserved. A free gift is something that is unexpected, that could never be earned, and never be deserved. And he says, what you deserved, what I deserved, was death because of my sin. But what I got because of the mercy of God, the grace of God is us us getting what we could never deserve. The mercy of God is us not getting what we duly deserve. He said, The wage, what you've earned with the way that you've lived is death, but what I'm gonna give you freely in a way that you could never earn and never deserve is life and life eternal. Christmas had to happen. The cause of Christmas, the reason, his reason for the season was to seek and save the lost. It's a free gift and it's a perfect gift. A few years ago, as I was preparing to bring a Christmas message, I began to just do a research about the perfect gift. And here's what I found is that they actually have conducted some studies to determine what really kind of quantifies something as a perfect gift. Because how many know right now in this season of, of shopping and buying and giving, you see that in marketing campaigns and slogans? It makes the perfect gift. And what they found is that the perfect gift is something that someone either desperately wants or needs When that intersection, when that intercedes with something that you cannot or would not, for some reason, acquire or purchase for yourself. And it's exactly who Jesus is a free gift and a perfect gift something that we desperately needed, the forgiveness of our sins, the washing away of every stain that that sin caused upon, the imprint of our soul, something we we desperately needed but we could never acquire for ourselves. It's perfect and it's free. It's perfect and it's free. Not of us could meet the standard. None of us could take care of it on our own. And let me ask you a question today. On a, on a scale of one to 100, with 100 being the standard of perfection who is Jesus, and one, let's just say, being Satan himself, and, and let's say 30 is a really despicable person Let's just say Tom Brady. <laughs> and 40 is like Tom Brady fans. <laughs> Tom, if you're listening, Jesus loves you. He does. But, I, but I'm never going to root for you. So, <laughs> But I have a lot of respect for him. <laughs> On a scale of one to 100, on your very best day, how high of a score are you really willing to give yourself? I mean, be honest with yourself. On your very best day, because we all know that we have some days where we're right down there in sub-Tom Brady territory. I mean, you wake up and you're irritable and you're grouchy and you're impatient and you're selfish and you're jealous or whatever it looks like. You're way down on the scale, but that's not even what I'm asking you today. I'm saying on your very best day. How high of a score are you willing to give yourself? 65. 65. Can I get a 70? Can I get a 70? Can I get a 70, 75, 72, 74? (laughs) How high are you willing to rate yourself? Because see, it, it, it underlines that even on your best day, we still fall short of the glory of God. I mean, even on the day where you, you're out of bed on time and you're patient with the kids and you are on time to work and you, someone cut you off in traffic and you prayed for them instead of telling them they were number one. <laughs> Your best day, you still need a savior. Reminds me of a few years ago. Now it's been five or six years ago, I think. We were still relatively new to Lawrence and to the church, and we went out, we baked some cookies or something, put them on plates, wrapped them up. We went out Christmas caroling, and I think we were going door-to-door to some of the staff and the elders of the church, and we were delivering those things that night, and, and we'd already made a few deliveries, and we were going to one of the staff persons back then, and back then it was a small, relatively small staff, and we, we arrived at, at their home, and, and they had just recently moved and were renovating the house, and so we hadn't been there yet, And and it's kind of in a rural area of of town, and so it's a little dark, it's a little hard to see the address numbers or whatever there, it's not as clearly marked as maybe some other places, and you don't have the reference point of the house immediately next to it or whatever. Long story short is, we were uncertain about whether it was their house or not, but we thought it was the right house. And and so we, we got our kids until, I think at the time we had three kids, and we are walking up, marching forward with the cookies in our hand, ready to knock on the door and sing a Christmas carol, and bless them with the Merry Christmas and the plate of cookies, and and, and we're still a little bit apprehensive about are we at the right house until we look through the side glass of the front entrance right there and we see one of their little boys who we recognize from church run through the living room stark, raving, naked. And it's important to tell you he's two years old at this time. So don't what you're picturing, if he was, if he was 13 years old, this is a different story and I probably wouldn't be telling it in church. He's two, okay, he's two. And, and he's running through the, the house naked, and, and we're like, what in the world is going on in there? Are they reenacting the birth of Jesus, you know? Is, that a, is there a living nativity going on in there? What in the world's going on? And do we go to the door and knock? And we thought, he's two, let's go, let's knock. You know, we had a little guy in, in, in tow with us too, and so we knock on the door, and they come to the door, and we said, oh, we're so sorry, I'm hoping to interrupt. see and, and they said, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, we're potty training, and we've just discovered the best way to get them to go in the potty is just to just, just take it all off, you know, just be free, just, just remove some of the barriers to the obedience. And we said, oh, we understand and we do understand. We've got four kids, four biological kids. And, and we just recently went through a season where one of our kids was going into high school and learning how to drive and the, and the youngest of them was being potty trained. And so we, we've experienced this ourselves and that's that you will bribe a kid with anything physically available and and financially accessible to get them to go pee-pee or poo-poo in the potty. Come on, where are my parents at? You know it's true. You want cookies? You want M&Ms? You want filet mignon? What do you want? Just to go pee-pee in the potty so we can get you into some undies. And here's the truth that we can extract from that. The Bible says that our, ra- our righteousness, our good Christian behavior, our religious acts, the Bible says in the book of Isaiah, are like filthy rags. And, and if you d- dig into the, that, that word, the root of that word, it actually kind of means, the, the connotation is like, it's like used charmin. <laughs> That's what your very best day looks like in the standard of God's holiness. And the reason for the season is Jesus came to make a way. So that you and so that I could go from being lost in our sin, unable to pay the price, unable to remove the weight of the the, the guilt and the sin and the shame and the condemnation. And Jesus came to seek and save so that you could be saved, healed, forgiven, and restored back to a relationship with your heavenly father. That's his reason for this season. Jesus came to be the perfect gift and the free gift to seek and save us. In Galatians 4, we find another one of these reasons, his reasons for this season, and it says this in verse 4 of chapter 4, but when the right time came, God sent his son when the right time came, just in the right time. And and, and I felt as I was studying and preparing and reading over these scriptures and putting this message together that in this moment, I was supposed to just push pause on the points and I was supposed to speak to someone and say, your right time is coming. Your right time for the healing. Your right time for the breakthrough. Your right time for the provision. You've been trusting. You've been praying. You've been hoping. Maybe you've been doubting. Maybe you've given up on something. And I'm here to declare by the spirit of God today that the right time of God is coming to your life. For thousands of years, all creation had been groaning and waiting underneath the weight of sin. And finally, God the Father looked over at the Son and said, now's the time I'm sending you to seek and save. Now's the time I'm sending you. To read on, verse 5, it says, God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. His reason for this season was to make you free and to bring you home. Free from the law and the standards of religion, the rules and the trappings of religion, which is man's forever frustrated attempt to get to God and be made right with him. Christmas is God's forever successful endeavor to bring you back to him. He said, I'm sending you. It's just the right time. It's just the right time. I'm sending you. And you're going to set them free, and you're going to bring them home. Bring them home. Bring home our, our, our brothers and sisters. Bring home sons and daughters. Bring them home back into the family of God, which is not just any family. It's a royal family in which you have an inheritance that you could never exhaust in this life or in eternity to come. His reason for this season was to seek and save the lost, to make a way that you could be set free of the weight of sin, and to bring you back into his spiritual family. Aren't you grateful for Christmas? Aren't you grateful for Christmas? It's, it's, it's more than just a holiday. It, it, it's, it's more than just the parties and the game. All those things are to commemorate what we're talking about here, the reason, his reason for this season Third point is found in Matthew chapter 20. And it says this For even the Son of Man, and remember, we're speaking about why he came, and watch what it says. It says, He came not to be served, but to serve others, and to give his life as a ransom for many. He came to serve, he came as a humble servant. He was the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the creator and the holder of it all, the galaxies. Now, don't, I mean, forget just the earth and our universe. He's the creator and the sustainer and the keeper and the holder of the galaxies. And He came to serve you and I. And He came in humility. And I think it's amazing that the story of Christmas by design and with intentionality causes that king of kings and lord of lords who holds it all and has it all to come in the most humble of circumstances to be born in a stable, to be birthed and placed in a manger, which really over-romanticizes it. We sing, Away in a Manger. And it really over-romanticizes what that thing was. It was a donkey food trough. Just get real about it. The place where donkeys and sheep and lambs and how many of you have ever been around some of those animals? They stink and they're they're fussy and they're loud and they're noisy. We sing that song silent night. I have a feeling it wasn't that silent in that stable. With the screams of childbirth and the crying of a baby and, and the bleeding of the sheep and the donkey on the side. And it was all by design. It was all by design. Because here's the thing is, you remember Mary and Joseph had the money for the Hilton. They tried to get the room. But there was no room at the end. Which is prophetically symbolic of the most important decision that you will ever make in your life. Will you make room for Jesus in your life? Already, it was just a symbol of what was going to happen. There's no room for Jesus. But it was by design. It was by design. It was by design that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords would be birthed in a stable and placed in a manger. I believe it was because right from the start, God wanted to say and express, and He wanted you to know and believe. That he was coming to get right square in the middle of every one of the darkest, messiest, dirtiest moments of your life. He wasn't coming just for all the plastic things in your life and all the things you put on social media. He was coming for those moments where you're desperate and you're doubting and you're fearful and you're anxious. He said, right from the start when I'm coming, I'm going to come in the most humble of ways so that my people know I've come to be a servant king. And there's not one situation or circumstance that will ever be beneath me. Because I'm coming to be born in a stable and laid in a manger. You could take your brokenness to Jesus. You could take your hurt. You could take your pain. You could take your darkness. You could take your shame. You could take it right to him. He could have come with an army of angels. He could have come with trumpets and stallions, and one day he'll return that way. But in the midst of our brokenness, he came and he said, I'm going, and I'm going to get right in the middle of everything that they're going through so that they know that I know what they're going through. And the Bible says it so clearly that he's experienced every temptation, everything, every, yet he remained the one that could go and make a way that we could be restored and forgiven. It reminds me of the fact that as I was a boy growing up in Texas, there were two nativity scenes that I have fond memories of in my life. And there was one that my parents had acquired and it was the one that every year they would, we would go to the, the Kmart parking lot and we would buy the the real Christmas tree. I remember seeing it was like they were like 1299, 1499 and if you wanted the really big one, it was99. Now you can't even buy a bush for 1999. <laughs> a Christmas bush. <laughs> and I remember picking out the tree and hauling it to my dad's blue Ford pickup truck and hauling it to the house and setting it up in the red base with the green legs and setting the set screws into it and filling it with water and forgetting to check it until the tree started to get crispy and the pine needles are falling down. And I remember laying under that crispy tree with those pine needles falling over me and I remember looking at this nativity scene which was very modest. Pieces of kind of, crude wood stapled and glued together, pieces of juniper leaves glued down on the base of it to kind of create what you would think a stable and a manger would look like. And I remember as a little kid having my blankie and laying down underneath that tree with those lights up there, and I remember looking and staring intently on that, at just the wonder and the awe with the presence surrounding, even though there might have just been a few. And the wonder and awe of a God who would come into this situation to know me and to forgive me. And there was another nativity scene in my life that I would experience when we would go to my dad's mom's house. My mama, oh God rest her soul, God bless her. What a wonderful woman and an amazing lady. Had met my granddad in the war and German occupied Poland, and she was just a real classy lady dignified and classy, and I'm sure she had probably acquired this and maybe even had it shipped over from Italy or Europe or something, and it was the finest nativity scene that money could buy large figurines made of glass and painted meticulously and set up in such a way that there was something kind of a barrier that she would put around there because this was the kind of nativity scene that you could look at but not touch. And both were beautiful, and one was not necessarily better than the other. But I believe the humble one underneath my parents' real tree represents the true meaning and spirit of Christmas when Jesus came to be God amongst us, God with us, God right in the middle of the darkness, God right in the middle of the manger, God right in the middle of the noise, God right in the middle of the smell, God right in the middle of the, the pain. And he said, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm an accessible God. I, I, you, can, you can reach out to me. You can get real with me. I'm not the look but not touch kind of a God. And, and, and I'm not gonna stay far. Heaven's pretty comfortable, but I'm coming to where you are. His reason for this season was to come and serve, not to be served, to give his life as a ransom for many. Fourth point, and this one actually says it so explicitly clear, it actually uses the word reason. And it says, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. He didn't come to give you a holiday with a few days off from work. He looked down and he saw all the ways that we had been lied to, and deceived and manipulated and tricked into sin and he looked down and even though we had created this situation for ourselves through our own pride, sin and rebellion, I believe he looked down and remember what we just read that the father looked over and said at just the right time, I'm sending you. He said that to the son and I believe in this moment, In this very moment, the reason that the Son of God appeared, that's reading it verbatim, was to destroy the works of the devil. I believe that your big brother, who is Jesus Christ, who is seated at the right hand of the Father, according to the Bible, interceding for you, who came and understands everything that you're going through and will ever go through, and now he's sitting at the right hand of God, interceding. I believe that he looked over at the Father and he said, now's my time. I'm getting in the game. I'm going down to the playground of life, and I'm punching that bully named the devil right in the mouth I'm destroying the works of the enemy all the ways that he's lied to you and deceived you and, and, and caused confusion or doubt or fear or anxiety in your life. Christmas is about the resolution, the answer, the solution, the resounding response of heaven towards the enemy of your soul. Jesus came to not just, not just establish an organization, a denomination, or a religion. He came to give you the utmost victory over every scheme, lie, and deception of the enemy. Who's thankful for Christmas? Come on, who's thankful for Christmas? The reason for the season to seek and save the lost, to set you free, to bring you home, and to give you victory over sin, death, and the grave. The manger, it's worth repeating, happened with the cross and the tomb and the resurrection in mind. The baby was born to become the Savior, the champion, the victorious one. Fifth point, John 10, verse 10, you might know it for sure. Most of you will recognize it. It says, the thief does not come except to steal, to kill, and destroy. In other words, that's his only agenda in your life. Where is he lying? Where is he killing? Where is he stealing from you? Where is he destroying something that God's trying to build and accomplish in your life? That's his only agenda in your life, in your marriage, in your family, with your children, in your company, in your workplace, in your school. That's his agenda. That's what he's dead set on doing. And Jesus said that's what he's come to do. But watch what he says. He says, I have come. The reason for the season is that I would come and show my people a way to have life. And it wasn't a strong enough way to say it. He said, and life to the fullest. Other translations say life abundant." He came not so that we could just survive through life. He came so that we could thrive in life because we have a revelation of who he is and who we are in him and we become connected to the family of God and, and the fellowship of the saints and we begin to experience even in the midst of trials and tribulations and temptations and Jesus didn't shy away from those things. He said, you'll experience those things. You'll go through those kind of things but if you'll look to me, if you'll stay, if you'll abide in me and me and you, there's nothing that you won't make it through and there's nothing you can, I can't see you too." He said, I'm coming that that my people will have life and life abundantly. I'm coming to rescue them out of the mundane. I'm coming to rescue them out of the fearful. I'm coming to deliver them to a life of faith and courage and hope and freedom for a future that is good. And as I was preparing, the Lord put two words on my my heart. First was that his, his heart is for us to thrive. Abundant life. And he spoke to me that there's two groups of people specifically that he wants to minister to today and that's people who are not thriving but you're merely surviving. You're merely surviving. You're merely surviving. You're just hanging on to make it to the next day. Because of the things, because of the unforeseen, unexpected, whatever, because of the weight, because of whatever. You're just hanging on, you're surviving. And he sent me to tell you today by the Spirit of God, and he sent me to pray and declare over your life, your marriage, your heart, your health, your home, your hand. He, he sent me to tell you that today he wants to breathe upon the ember of the flame of your heart, and he wants to restore you back to not just surviving, but beginning to once again begin to know what it's like to have the faith to move forward in the life that God has called you to, which is an abundant life. I wonder who I'm preaching to in this room online and you feel like you're just surviving and maybe some of you you're even it's like this is the last ditch effort i'm giving to god to just show me that he's real that he loves me that there's a hope that i can make it another day and i'm telling you today if that is you you need to hear me that your life matters to god he is not through with you the devil is a liar and his heart is for you not just to survive but to begin to thrive To begin to thrive the second group of people is people who are not thriving but they're striving they're striving they're pressing they're straining they're grinding through life and through work and through marriage and through family he comes today to tell you that his heart is not for you to strive and to grind his heart for you is to understand that 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 he wants to come alongside you and show you, though it may seem impossible, he wants to show you what he meant in his word when he said, come and watch me, come and work with me, come and walk with me, and see that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And today he wants to lift burdens off of people who are striving so that you can once again experience the life that is thriving. And I just thank you, Lord, for that. People who are barely surviving, I just declare in Jesus' name, Lord, that this would be a season where you would bring a fresh wind, a fresh fire. You'd bring whatever's necessary, a healing, Lord, a restoration, you'd bring courage, you'd bring strength, you'd bring faith, Lord, so that they can once again begin to walk towards and forward into the abundant life, Lord. For those who are striving, pressing, grinding, straining, Lord. I just pray that you would help them to see, help them to realize, Lord, that there's no one that they have to worry about pleasing and receiving approval from other than you, God, that we would begin to just look to you and trust you. And Lord, when the, where the enemies come and he's beginning to just push us and cause us to strain and cause us to stress, Lord, I pray that today you would come and you just reveal to us, open our eyes, Lord, help us to see it for what it is, God, and help us to once again just catch our breath in a way that allows us to walk and live out the abundant life of God. He came, the cause of Christmas, the reason, his reason for the season was to give us life and life abundantly, was to serve us in humility, the humility of the manger that would show us that no situation or circumstance we would ever experience in our life would ever be beneath him. He, the reason for the season, his reason for the season was to destroy the lies of the enemy and give us victory over every scheme of the devil, to make us free, to bring us home, and to seek and save those that are lost, to seek. He came, came, the reason, his reason for the season was to seek after you, to seek after you. He he was waiting for you to get it figured out and get your life all put back together before he was willing to come. The Bible says that while you were still lost in sin, dead in your trespasses, that's the moment that Christmas came about. That's the moment that Jesus came. He's seeking after you. And some of you are trying, but you can't outrun him. And some of you are trying, but you can't find a corner that's dark enough to hide from him. That's the reason you're hearing the sound of my voice today. He came to seek after you. And as I was preparing this, I felt like the Lord spoke to me and and he said, you know, on this whole just concept of the reason for the season, Jesus is the reason for the season. And just understand it, that it really is from our perspective, Jesus is the reason for the season. But as I was meditating on that, the Lord spoke to me and challenged me to come and deliver something to you, and here's what it is. You're the reason for the season. What do you mean, Pastor T? That kinda challenges me. Is that potentially even a little bit sacrilegious? Well, watch what the Bible says. Watch what the bible says it says this these are red letter words matthew chapter 18 verse 12 if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away what will he do and 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 just so you know the the verse right after this parable jesus says this is how it is with with your heavenly father And he says, won't he leave the 99 others on the hill and go out to search for the one, someone say the one, that is lost? And when he finds it, I tell you the truth, he will rejoice over it more than the 99 that didn't wander away. Jesus didn't come to build an institution. He came to pursue an individual and that individual is you. He had 99 others and yet he saw that you were wandering from the way and he came to seek after you, to run after you, to chase after you. He put love into action. That's what Christmas is all about, a God who loves and wasn't willing. He loves you just the way you are, but he loves you too much to leave you where you are. He put love into action and he sent Jesus to be born a baby in the humblest of circumstances, but that baby would become the savior. He would come running after your heart running after your heart today he's knocking on the end of your heart he's saying will there be room in your end will there be room in your heart will you make room in your home will you make room in your marriage will you make room in your life because I'm seeking I'm coming I, I, I came to see after you you don't have to get good to get God we get God in the midst of our darkness in the midst of our sins and then because we've been saved by this miraculous grace we begin to want to look more like him reason, his reason for the season is you. It's you. It's you. Christmas happened for you. The one. The one. He already, he already had all of heaven's angels. He. And even if he had 99 other believers, he's still seeking after you. Seeking after you. you stand to your feet stand let's respond let's make our hearts let's make room in our hearts today to receive what he wants to do in your life right where you are just ask him Lord what are you speaking to me what are you speaking to me through this message what are you revealing to me what are you reminding me of and how's it gonna cause me to receive and walk in more of what you had in your mind and in your heart when you Initiated the plan of salvation that we now call Christmas. And just receive, receive, allow Him the moment to speak to your heart. And, and, and what He speaks to you, would you grab a hold of it? Would you grab a hold of it? And would you commit to go and would you commit to go and, and live, live it out? And, and put your hands to it and, and, and commit it to prayer and be faithful with it? Lord, I I thank you, Father, for this congregation of believers. I thank you for every man, every woman, every young adult, every marriage, every family. I thank you, Lord, that you came to seek and save the lost Christmas. Your reason, your reason for this season is us. (laughs) And you sent the baby to the manger to become the Savior. And we thank you for reminding us of it in a new or deeper way, God. And I pray, Lord, that it would change the perspective that we have of celebrating Christmas this week that when, even when we see that tree with the lights upon it and the decorations, we'll realize it's pointing towards heaven. And it's reminding us of the true reason for this season, whose name is Jesus. When we see those lights, we know that you came into the dark places, the dark moments, the painful moments, to shine your light and reveal your love. You are the reason for the season. And I pray, God, that just individuals, families, even the, the lo- like we sang about and ministered to earlier, the lonely, painful gatherings or the joyous family gatherings and everything in between, that we'd be reminded, Lord, that you came to seek and save us. And right there's a great transition to give you the opportunity today to do the most important thing that we give everyone an opportunity to do. And that's to receive today the free gift of salvation who is Jesus Christ. And maybe today you're in the room or you're joining us online and you once knew God, maybe you were raised in the church, raised in a Christian family, but you've drifted from God. You got, you've gotten busy with life and you're what the Bible would describe as a prodigal son or daughter. Or maybe today you're here in this room or online and you've, you've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. You've never received and felt what it feels like, what I've experienced in this room full of believers has experienced to have the way of sin, all the mistakes and the pain of your past removed off of you, the price for those sins paid in a way that you could never do in your own strength, in a way that you could never earn through religion. And if that's you today, and you're in either one of those camps or anywhere in between, right now is your moment. That's the right time, it's the right time. It's the right time for you to say yes to Jesus and come home to God to come home to a relationship with the Heavenly Father that transcends religion. Right now, if that's you in this room, raise your hand. Just That's all I'm gonna ask you to do, raise your hand. And we're gonna pray a prayer with you and for you. Right now, raise your hand. I, I, I think that it's just a simple, profound, outward act of an inward work that God's doing in your heart. If you're online and you're responding to Christ today, I'm gonna encourage you to do the same thing. Even if you're not with another person, you're not responding to a person, a preacher, you're responding to your Father, I think it's critically important that you would take a moment, pull over to the side of the road, Stand up from your couch, lift your hand, high towards heaven, God sees it. And so here's what we're gonna do. If you raised your hand in this room or online, you can lower your hand. And here's what we do every week is we pray this prayer with you. And we do it for two reasons. We wanna come alongside you and quickly show you there's a church family, brothers and sisters in Christ, we wanna come alongside you and help you and strengthen you and encourage you and pray with you and help you keep moving forward towards God and his purposes for your life. And the second reason we do it, every week we do this without fail, is because even as God is growing us and maturing us in our faith, we realize we never graduate from grace. Everything God could ever build in our life of faith is all built on that foundation. So come on, let's pray this prayer. Pray it with passion and fervency and gratitude for Jesus today. Say, Father, in Jesus' name, I recognize my need for a Savior. And I thank you for sending Jesus to pay the price I couldn't pay to make a way that I would have a new life and a fresh start. And I give you my life i give you my trust and because of jesus because of the birth of jesus because of the cross and the risen life of jesus come on say i'll never be the same and now would you rejoice with all the angels of heaven for the precious people that came home to christ today come on hey i just want to tell you i hope you're able to make it out to our christmas eve service this friday night at 6 pm but If you're not able, if you're traveling or visiting family or whatever, I just want to tell you on behalf of our church, on behalf of Amity and our kids, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I hope you have a joyous Christmas. And come on, let's worship the Lord one more time together today. And then Pastor Eddie will come and dismiss you here in a moment.